Mystical Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Coming up on the show tonight, we have the everything musician Ali Comerford in studio. Everything because she seems to effortlessly lift any instrument up and become and be its master. And then the Lord gave her a voice too. Uh, our artist profile piece will be writer Nula Roach, who works out of Kilkenny. We can look forward to the beautifully put words of one of Trad musicians, Trad music's great uh, progenies, Liam and Wainley, also of the Hot House Flowers, of course, when he drank a cup of tea from a penguin in Clear's pub at the weekend. And we will be spoiled then with an excerpt from a hen's tooth interview with secret history author Donna Tart. Plus three book recommendations for Under the Tree and three gigs to catch before the turkey gets it. First to Ellie Comerford, bursting with the kind of talent that usually exports itself immediately to another country to find its groove. But here she is, smiling, effervescent, brandishing a violin or a guitar or one of the string family because, of course, she can play them all, and riding high on the release of an exceptional album and also with a mild case of laryngitis. <laughs> there is a serenity and an assurance to her music. The assurance probably comes from being classically trained from before she was teething, the Royal College, the Royal College of Music in London, a scholarship to New York's Manhattan School of Music, or the gigs in Carnegie Hall at the Albert Hall, or touring to Australia, New Zealand, across the States. But when the plague came, she came back home and had a think and made this mesmerising album called Knots. Ali, what a pleasure to meet you for the first time. Pleasure to meet you too. Tell me, do you see yourself as a classical musician, uh, all string ensembles and orchestras, or have you made a leap into a new set of pyjamas uh, for this album? <laughs> are you on your headphones? Are you listening to Chopin or CMAT? Oh, um, I think that I'm a musician. <laughs> <laughs> just just a musician i think that like we're all so quick to put people in boxes and to um try and put ourselves in a genre and stay there that uh, we don't allow ourselves the space to experiment and figure out what is actually important is just music Okay, so tell us about your experiments. <laughs> I would say the album is probably um Oh, it's my first proper experiment outside of classical music. Um, and then my newest single was even further afield just because it was with other people. I let other people into the process. And um, yeah, I think that uh, just figuring out what sounds I like and the way that I want to play and has been really um, interesting for me. And it's been an interesting journey. So... I just want to bring you back to my to my question, which mm. is, on your headphones, are you listening to <laughs> Ch Chopin um, or CMAT? What, 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 what do you What are you listening to? Everything. Did you change? How about this? Did you change your listening when you came back from the states to Kilkenny and decided mm. that you were gonna cut an album? I I didn't like. I've always listened to everything. Um, probably less classical music. Um, but recently I've been equally listening to it all like I've um, found a real love for classical music again 
which I feel I kind of lost for a while when I was exclusively doing classical. Because after a long day of just playing like quartets or anything like that, the last thing I wanted to do was listen to Bach on the way home. So I'd listen to exclusively like not classical. And now because I am playing outside of that genre, I get to listen to it again with fresh ears and remember why it's like one of my great loves. There's a crucial um, a part of the of the making of this new album, which is that you've had to develop a, a new musical instrument, your own voice, which is absolutely beautiful. And I'm just wondering when you realised you had one. Um, I always loved singing. Like, since I was a child, I always sang. Um, so it was always part of who I was. It's just that I never thought it was something I could do. I never... Um, really expected other people to enjoy it i just loved singing so you you use some words i think earlier on when you were describing the making of that album which is that you let other people in mm. to the latter part of the work on that album and and i think and i'm getting the impression that you're you know for when you were making the album not you 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 composed it you played every instrument on it um you wrote and you sang all the lyrics mm -hmm. So, are you a learner, or are you <laughs> learning to collaborate? Um, would you like to be in a band? Um, I think that, like, for the album, it was important to me to keep creative control of everything because it was my vision and it was something I wanted to do solely for myself. So that was really important to me to do everything and have it the way I wanted um, Shane Tobler who I always talk about is my sound engineer and he was sound engineer for the album um, and then when I did the latest single he became a producer along with Sean Montgomery Dietz and um, that was the first time that I let uh, people produce my music and come in and have their say and take on board their creative visions as well as my own. And it was a real learning curve for me because I didn't get the... F well, I got the final say, but I had to take what they said and run with it and that was really different for me um, and not that I'm a control freak but yeah, I um, I actually really enjoyed the process it was good for me Okay, well what, I, what I'm going to ask you to do now if, if, uh, if I could is to play us a song from um, from I, I guess from that album yeah. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about the song and, and, um, and then let's hear her. Um, so if my voice allows me, <laughs> I'm going to play a song called uh, Lily's Song. And it was one I wrote for my niece, Lily, when she was a baby. Um, she's the first child of my brother. And it was just amazing seeing their bond. And um, also she loved lights and that was her thing as a little child and she'd always be staring at the lights and Christmas was magical for her and yeah, I wrote this song. Okay. <laughs> Song for an evening just like this. 
sun's holding on till the skyline takes its kiss Cause he's the one that you wake up to The one that you will miss That's why we'll take a moment on an evening just like this the lamps for us lily keep them shining brightly watch the shadows glowing as they dance around you lightly cause he's the one that you come home to you're the one that he calls his that's why we'll take a moment on an evening just like this Gold will melt, but stardust takes its place And time will tell that nothing fills the space Like the way he felt when he first saw your face And know that you are now And will always be irreplaceable So check the lamps for us, Lily Keep them shining brightly Watch the shadows glowing As they dance around you lightly Cause you're the one that he comes home to The one that he calls his That's why we'll take a moment On an evening just like this beautiful thank you lily's song played by ali comfort so we're going to take a short break now and then come back with a few more questions in the company of ali comfort carlo Kilkenny. kclr back in the studio with saran and tamer of strings ali comfort um who played for the break lily's song a, a few minutes of pure beauty um ali during the break we were we were talking and um and i learned that you also write music for other people yeah um it's one of the things i took up during uh the pandemic when all the classical music dried up mm-hmm. <laughs> when we couldn't play anymore um i started writing personalized songs for people um just to make ends meet and i've continued and it's something that i really enjoy now and, and so is that is it a painful process letting a piece of your work go no <laughs> i don't think so i think it's really nice because i never when i'm writing personalized songs i don't see it as my work because it's their story so usually like people get in touch with me um to write songs about their love for someone or um their kids or anything and i just put all the details into a song so i feel like it's i'm just the conduit for their emotions really uh, and so they so they would then get a lyric sheet back it's not a it's oh no a, so it's i'll, a I'll piece. write and record it wow how wonderful um, yeah and i've taken up um over christmas i started it last year and i actually continued it throughout the year but it 
began as a Christmas thing where I offer like two people if they want to write me DMs uh, on Instagram and give me their stories that I'll write them songs for free that I just give away songs for whoever like deserves a song okay. so um, different things last year one was for a man who was dealing with the death of his mother and wanted to try process it um, and the other one was just for this guy who was madly in love with his girlfriend I've never <laughs> read anything so effusive in my life and I just felt that like she really did deserve his song if she was as good as he said so yeah I like doing that um, yeah it's it, it brings me joy and I like to think it brings other people joy too so well, that's fantastic mm. I, I, what an unusual and, and brilliant way of of um, working away through the pandemic and, and and actually really you know to come back to your to your own story in the making of this album it it also is a success story that came out of pandemia that came out of this time of of you having to leave your your work as a classical musician based yeah. over in the united states and and come back to to uh, to live here in kilkenny yeah um i like i think the pandemic was um like a hidden treasure for me because i got back home i got to um like see way more of my family once things opened up um, and reconnect with who I am and what I do really and slow down and slow down yeah <laughs> New York was uh, very fast paced and um, you get in the habit of working for working's sake even if it is music um, and then coming home being able to breathe again and uh, figure out what my priorities in life were so, so let me ask you: Is there a, um, is there a, a version of you which is, which has a downtime from being a musician, or are you always on? Um, I would say I'm always on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't think I can turn that off. Um, I think sometimes, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night with lyrics in my head, and I have to write them down. And okay, yeah, you can't no. help yourself. Tell me then, do you do you um, are you fond of gigging? How are your how are your nerves? Do you? Yeah, I I actually love it. Do you know? Like I do get nervous. Um, I'm getting less nervous as time goes on. Especially, like, it, it depends. If I'm playing with, say, like a symphony orchestra, no nerves. That's fine. I can do that. But if I'm playing my own music, uh, when I first started, I would get so nervous because it's so different. I, it's myself and it's like standing on stage and reading out your diary to a when room full of people. And, you know? and, and probably there's a big difference between the applause you get as a classical musician as part of a symphony which is yeah. um, you know clapping and people saying bravo mm. and uh, and the, the other one which is you know whistling and screaming and <laughs> oh yeah know. i'd like the whistling and screaming that's great but, <laughs> but it's good well what i might do um if i could ali is to ask you to finish up with one more song if that's okay i'm sorry to go so hard in your throat i i i'm 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 buoyed up by the fact that the last one is so beautiful so um perhaps you could introduce this yeah. and, and play us out um i'm going to play he knows which was the first single from the album Lovely. when all i feel is taken from i look for you, you make me feel like I belong. Of 
course you do with things you do But boy, he knows And that's why I can't stay I couldn't have it any other way Cause boy, he knows Cause boy, he knows They swarm around you like the sun Of course they do, their dreams come true But suns are set before too long And mine was due as if on cue I've rolled and picked the game I'd like to play I've placed my bets and that's the price I'll pay Cause boy, he knows Cause boy, he knows Cause boy, he knows Cause boy, he knows Oh, but there must be a way out Of this maze that I've been working on But I've built the wall so high without Do I keep on building till he's gone? It's flashing a warning Pretend it's not burning When all I feel is taken from I look for you, I look for you You make me feel like I belong Of course you do with things you do But boy, he knows And that's why I can't stay I couldn't have it any other way Cause boy, he knows Thank you, Ali. Absolutely beautiful. And, 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 uh... That was He Knows um, from your new album, uh, Knots. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous, brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. KCLR. 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 That before the break, that was Ali Comerford. Um, and just to say, you could find out more about Ali um, on Instagram, Ali Comerford Music. Now, it's time for our Artist in Profile segment, where each week we will be hearing from a Kilkenny-based creative. And this week, we hear from writer Nula Roach. Uh, my arts practice is writing. I write poetry and fiction. I wrote and performed a one-woman stage play, Bridie, and I'm currently writing creative non-fiction. I recently won the Red Lion Festival Poetry Competition, was awarded an Arts Council Agility Award for Literature and an Irish Writers' Centre Mentorship for a non-fiction project. I'm originally from, well, where am I really from? Uh, born in Athlone, parents from counties Clare and Wexford. I've lived in Kilkenny, Dublin, Wicklow, Canada, and I'm now living in Kilkenny City for more than 20 years. 
moving around and being on the periphery somewhat has informed my writing. When you arrive in a new place, before it becomes familiar, language and the way people talk, uh, words and phrases they use are, are new. It's all fresh to the ears, so you become more aware of it. And this has definitely influenced my writing. A key point in my career as a writer came before I started writing. So after school, I was on a false course in filmmaking, believe it or not, run by the Irish Film Institute. And for the work placement, I was asked to go to wildlife filmmaker Eamon de Butler because he'd requested an Irish speaker and I still had Leaving Cert Irish. So a month later, I was perched in a tree at dusk on the lookout for badgers emerging from their set when I would give Eamon a signal so that he could roll camera and film the moment they appeared. I thought at the time, well, this is boring. I'd rather be swanning around Windmill Lane pictures making tea for rock stars in my pleather trousers and mohair jumper. But my placement with Eamon became a two-year apprenticeship and led to a film editing career in Canada. So editing really laid the foundations for my future writing. Uh, back then, film editing was still a physical process, not yet on computers. It involved lugging around 35mm reels with separate audio tracks. So 10 minutes of film could be stored in two film cans. You could pick them up and feel the weight of 10 minutes of film. Lines of dialogue were embedded onto strips of separate magnetic tape. You could lift out a sentence and hold it stretched between two hands. So that physicality really carried through to my writing. When I'm writing, I see the action, I hear characters speaking, and I create work in a process similar to how film is edited. Assembling a long first draft, then shaping, structuring, restructuring, and fine-tuning until it is a finished piece. When I left the film industry, I missed editing and I discovered that writing fulfilled that need. The creative uh, storytelling work with elements of practical and logistical tasks. Maybe in retrospect, I've created this as a key moment uh, in my writing career and that might have started, and my writing might have started anyhow, but it's a good story. Being a writer in Kilkenny is probably not much different from being a writer in another city or town. Most creative writing can be done from anywhere. Um, but I used to yearn to be in Dublin or in a city with a larger arts audience and more events, especially through winter. But then I realised that Kilkenny is a great place for me because the arts and literature community in Kilkenny is supportive, um, including audiences, really great audiences, uh, really great writers and other artists. So over 20 years, I've really built my connections and made links here that have been really important to my, uh, to my writing process. Um, by focusing on that support with the work in progress reading, I discovered a new writing direction in creative nonfiction. I'm currently working on a creative non-fiction piece that I read as a work in progress at an AKA festival event. Marion and Stephen in the Book and Coffee Shop on William Street hosted a gorgeous event for myself and fiction writer Caroline Sutherland. And we had an opportunity to try out works in progress with a really supportive and diverse audience. So the feedback came from that reading um, and the event itself just really encouraged me to continue in this creative non-fiction road, which has led to other um, areas of development, including the mentorship with the Irish Writers' Centre. 
time and space are important to me as a writer because with everyday commitments and full-time work, my writing time is carved out of weekends and evenings. The most rewarding part of being a writer is the gift of what psychologists named as flow. This, this is being in the zone and completely absorbed in the activity. So there's, there's no greater feeling for me than being in a quiet place with no commitments looming and immersing myself in writing. So my sense of time drops away and five hours could feel like five minutes. The intense awareness of the present moment is really energising and rewarding, no matter how the writing is going. And someone who knows me very well once said, you're most yourself when you're writing. It's also a little bit like an intense relationship, but mostly it's flow. Flow is the gift that it brings. My advice to someone interested in being a writer is to read lots and widely, uh, talk to other writers, find a kind of a skill that you could do uh, to make a living part-time because you will not make a living as a writer. Uh, write every day and find a community of writers, which might take some time. It might take time to find the community of writers that you find supportive and that helps you to develop as a writer. If I had one wish for the arts in Ireland, it would be a general greater recognition of the professional development that artists undertake, just as a regular part of their practice, often on their own initiative and doing their own research. So when I hear words like innovation, engagement, collaboration, connection, these are second nature to artists and writers and the skills are intrinsic to an arts practice. So there's a lot of skills development over years of practice and that's not always immediately obvious when you experience an artist or writer's work. Um, yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of professional development and collaboration that is undertaken with supports. Um, we are lucky to have supports in Ireland for artists in their continuing professional development locally and regionally and nationally but there isn't always the recognition that that's a tremendous amount of work that artists and writers undertake themselves. That was Nuala Roach and what a warm embrace to the place she calls home and and description of the vibrant cultural life of this parish. Now, earlier in the week, um, I caught up with Liam O'Mwainley, who was playing in Clears, and he was in a pensive mood, a, a philosophical place. A, he was bright and sharp and smiling at the thought of a gig, and, you know, he had ideas swirling, and his mind was drifting from meeting some Native American Canadians a few days earlier to leaning into a session to the dark of night in Glanmire and to the airy mountains of Dingle. Liam is, and and, um, and I'm prone to exaggeration, so I wanted to declare overtly that this is said without any exaggeration. Liam is one of the greats that we have, utterly devoted to music, to the playing of music at all times of day and night, as himself, the solo troubadour, or round a table with some gentlemen and women of trad, or as the house flowers, or floating through Mali, discovering tribal wonders.
Liam, let's just jump straight into the middle. Mountains or sea? Ooh, God, I couldn't. I couldn't. You spend a bit of time down in Dingle these days? Yeah, west of, west of Dingle. I, I, my, so my experience of native language country is Kirkorine in west of Dingle. And Dingle would be where the sh- you get the shopping and then you leave Dingle behind. And Kirkorine is the peninsula and it's the people there. The language is, was never broken in the people. So there's an energy about that. And that's, you can see, you sense it in the land and the, and the landscape, I feel. I, as a boy, is, they related to each other very much for me. So I asked whether it was mountains or sea, and it's it sounds there. like it's both. There's no getting away. They're both, they're both right on top of each other there, really. And what do you find, what do you take from the sea and what do you take from the mountains? Well, the sea is enormous. The sea is covering most of the earth, isn't it? And... Uh, so the minute you and I, I, I like to go I've, I've liked to get into the sea since I was a boy and I've always had a strong relationship with it my dad loved jumping in the sea as well um, and yeah it would always always somehow reboot me if I get into the sea you know I always get a, a blast out of it you fear it? no and then mountains and walking and, and, and that idea of, of coming across uh, spirituality or company or solace or solitude. Well, walking anywhere, I, I got in, I, I, I remember thinking to myself, maybe talking to somebody like 30, no, maybe 10 years ago, kind of going, I'm a walker, but I don't walk. I, I'd, when Kean, my son, came along at the, I was 30. I started driving and uh, I've always known walking is good but I I wouldn't do it and then um, when I started walking two years ago and I was I was walking in housing estates in Dundrum just following and I love those little alleyways that are there that serve that serve no real purpose but you know I'd follow my nose and um, I got into seeing the spring was so great that year. Um, I developed an intimate relationship with myself that I had left. So yeah, I get it now. And I did. I did. Uh, we're we're walkers. We are walk. We're designed to walk. I think we should be walking much, 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 much more. And um, I don't still don't walk much, 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 much more. But I now. I've gone there. I've cleared that path in my head, from my, from my head to my gut. It's not intimidating anymore. No, and I don't think it ever really was. It's just bothered to be bothered to do it or to be asked, kind of thing. And I don't. Yeah, I don't. I never like people who say I'm not arsed, but I guess there was a bit of that about it in me. But yeah, just not wanting the time or not having the time or something but I've always known it to be a good thing a good walk is always a great thing last night I was in in Glanmire in Cork Upper Glanmire where my father grew up and uh, I found myself just not wanting to be in the car and it was a bitter night but I I was and they've no lights in Upper Glanmire they've no street lights and I love that I I think the one one of the best reasons for a gun is to shoot street lights if I was going to if I had a gun that's what I'd go and do I'd shoot street lights all over the world 
Um, I don't. I love the dark. I think we need it, and uh, then we can really see the night, you know. And um, so I was there, and yeah, I, I, I just made a very quick and random. It wasn't a big thinking thing. I'm going to do this, but I said I, I'm going to. I just leave the car and walk back, and uh, I instantly felt glad that I did that. Tell us then, do you? Is there a soundtrack that you have? to your life that might or might not be your own music what do you do you, what do you listen to when you're driving in the car or when you're walking along or are you not listening to, to music listening to nature what i well actually i mean i've i've just finished 20 episodes of a radio program where i presented two musicians three musicians one musician per show each show an hour and a half long so in irish and we made music and um, everybody allowed me to put my paws into their music, and and we just talked about things, life, where you come from, what inspires you, what do you do, how do you get around, going on stage, do you get tired of writing songs, you know, all the these things. And there was a very tiny formula in it, but mostly it was just. So I'm now listening to them because they're all on YouTube, and they're perfect for a drive because there's a bit of music in it and there's conversation in it and it's bringing me back to the moment that I went through these 10 shows Where are you around the sort of proprietorial side of music about about owning a song or ownership or sharing of songs or passing them down or borrowing them or you know having a go at someone else's Well I think um, I I'm pretty, I'm not very militant about it anyway, to be, you know, I, I, I like singing a song and I like hearing a song and I notice songs have certain patterns and almost feel that who, who can really own a song? I know that you're about to, um, to uh, take off and do a sound check, so I want to just ask... ...words from owning a song. Um, and... Because I think good music is when the musicians allow something pass through them, and music like that is kind of and mantra. I think is is about that as well, where you 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 continue mantra, something suddenly passes through, and and suddenly you're started by some kind of realization. And music, do, I think, traditional those tunes, something moves through the band, through the people, through the five, seven, or eight, ten people who are sitting around the table, and. And nobody does too much. The music just keeps keeps going. But um, it's about that. It's and it's kind of like bees making honey. I think it's 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 a sustenance. I know that you're about to, um, to uh, take off and do a sound check, so I want to just ask really quickly yeah. about the gig tonight here in Clears in Kilkenny. Yeah. What does it mean? You played a gig last night in in, in Cork, as you were saying earlier on. What's going to be different tonight? What do you like about Kilkenny? What do you like about Clears? I've always loved Clears. Johnny is an amazing man. Like, just there's, there's buoyancy in his comp- in his company. You arrive in and you're lifted straight away. Look at the tea. The, he gave me a pot of tea and and the tea pot, the tea cozy is that penguin over there. There's a kind, there was a kindness in it. I don't know. He just landed me with this penguin for my tea, and I just felt oh. So tonight. Uh, every night I, I haven't been writing set lists for about 10 years I think 
so I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. But so do you wait until you've finished a song before you decide what the next one is? Sometimes I might be in the middle of a song and I'll go, oh yeah, I might do. It might just cross my mind, but then I might forget that and it'll be something else. And sometimes it, I might be clawing for for something, but it excites me and I. It's a sense that nobody knows what's going to happen next, including me. I don't like to. I don't. I always had a problem with set lists. I thought, who are we to say what's right for the next song? But, but, at the same time, a well, a well-crafted list is a great thing. So, so I'm not. But it's where I'm at. It's, it's where I've been at for the last more twenty years, maybe. And it's where I've always enjoyed to be. My poor old band members, the Flowers. We don't write set lists anymore. I mean, we're 30 years together, so it's obviously done you the world of good. The last time I saw Fake he was down in 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 Carlo at the at yeah. the Virus Festival, and he um, there was a guy there called John Ilsley, who's the yeah. bass player yeah. of great of, lovely man from yeah. Dire Straits, and um, and he he decided at the very last minute he wanted to play a couple of Dire Straits songs, and would Fake no mind being Mark Knopfler? <laughs> <laughs> no no bother no bother you see Fiekno and I went on to Grafton Street we had no idea what we were going to do ever at the very beginning no idea what we had a we had a song called Kansas City Here I Come which I don't I'd never heard the recorded version of it I just heard Mike and Walker my mate shuffling along used to say, I'm going to Kansas City just singing it to himself and for some reason I pl- we were in the throes of inventing something for the moment because I also thought this sense of chaos is what would draw a crowd so that we could get their money you know but but also do something and Kansas City became we just did this 12 bar thing you know that was the epic mind of Liam O'Mwainley such a soulful man and a good person to let time pass with may we grow old with this man for company around the fire with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Now, Donna Tart is an unusual, brilliant writer, known for her seminal novel The Secret History and the thrilling follow-up Goldfinch, which won the Pulitzer Prize. She takes absolutely years to write each novel, about a decade each one, actually, and she never gives interviews. In fact, she never really goes anywhere. So when she came to Boris... Um, everyone came out for a look at this famously elegant woman and here is a tiny little taster of her talking about an unusual source of inspiration. I, my earliest literary influences, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi and I didn't really have access to an awful lot of books. They didn't have a lot of new books at the town library and my... My great-grandfather's books, he had Conrad, he had Dickens, he had Robert Louis Stevenson. I read my grandmother's Peter Pan, the same edition that she had when she was a girl. Also her Alice in Wonderland, her um, Oz books. I didn't read very many books that were written much... I mean, I read a few books that were my mother's when she was small, but I didn't read very many new books. And the books I had, I just read over and over again. I read a lot of Dickens... In a lot of ways, I grew up like a 1950s child, even older. I had, I was not reading new books, so I was formed by that. And 
I was quite lucky that I saw a lot of films when I was young, partially because of Elvis. Elvis was, um, when he was alive, we got the Memphis television stations. And it was quite funny because he would, Elvis had quite good taste in movies apparently. And so he would just call up the television station and uh, say what he wanted on. And sometimes it would just stop really suddenly and something else would come on. <laughs> and you knew that he was, you know, that somebody was calling and having this. But he, you know, he, he did have quite good taste in films. And so we saw, I think, and they also, they went on all night long before the rest of America. You know, there was a lot of all-night activity happening at Graceland, apparently. <laughs> and uh, so it was great, you know. So, um, so thank you, Elvis. That was, yeah. Something thank you, Elvis. Yeah. That was Donna Tartt. And um, uh, she was talking at the Boris House Festival of Writing and Ideas, which, by the way, is on between the 16th and 18th of June next year, and there are some tickets on sale. But we're going to announce the first 20 or so speakers uh, here on this show in a week or two. Now, um, I promised that I'd make some book and, and, um, and gig recommendations, but I'm absolutely hopeless with time, and we've run out of time again. So instead, I'm going to say big thank you to Martin, who's on the knob twiddling and hand signals and to Ethna for the producer's touch and to uh, Ali and Liam, Donna and Nula and um, you can listen back via our podcast um, section um, on kclr96fm.com and um, I'll come back to those recommendations next week I promise I'm going to play you out with a track that was mentioned during the conversation there with Liam Mwainley of his fellow flower, Finkner Brain, on playing with John Ilsley of Dire Straits, recorded here in June on the banks of the River Barrow, where Kilkenny and Carlo shake hands. Here is Romeo and Juliet, Spur of the Moment style. and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous.